0: Good morning. I uh, sense my need this morning for a prayer on your behalf as I look at Galatians chapter 5 this morning. Uh, I, uh, my intentions as I begin preaching my way through the book of Galatians some time ago here, was to do it in six messages um, by doing an expositional overview of, uh, of each chapter in each message. I knew this was going to be difficult because of my natural bent to want to uh, turn over every stone and, and see what's underneath it. Um, as uh, in, in the scriptures, um, well, uh, this morning I'm going to compromise that pattern as I come to chapter 5 because of the content of, uh, of this chapter. I'm going to look at only verses 1 through 12 uh, in chapter 5 this morning. It has been interesting to note how that the adult Sunday school lesson from the past month or two from the book of Acts has been giving us the historical context of uh, Paul's message to the Galatians in in this epistle. Uh, Galatians has been called the, the charter of Christian freedom uh, the main reason it has been called that is because in this epistle, Paul is forcefully reaffirming the, the fact that we are justified by faith and not by the works of the law. That has been sort of the overwhelming uh, theme up to now uh, through the, uh, the book of Galatians. The, uh, the second reason why uh, Galatians has been called the charter of Christian freedom is because of how Paul introduces uh, us in chapter 5 by uh, saying, uh, Stand fast that therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So here is an exhortation that Paul gives to, uh, to stand fast, to stand firm, to not give in, uh, but to stand firm in the freedom uh, to which uh, God through Christ has called us. Um, the uh, many commentators will use this verse to warn against legalism. And so I'd like to begin this morning, first of all, by looking at the question, what is legalism? What is a legalist? According to Webster, as it relates to secular law, legalism has to do with a strict and a literal adherence to law. Uh, in other words, a legalist is one who is skilled in interpreting the, uh, the law uh, in, in the, in, as it relates to secular law. Legalism used from a theological perspective has to do with believing that our salvation is achieved by keeping the law uh, or good works. Or as Paul says it here in Galatians and over and over again in the book of Romans. Being justified by the deeds of the law. Uh, that, is, uh, that, is legal, that is legalism. That, is, uh, uh, that has to do with... Uh, Uh, earning our salvation by the things that we achieve or do. Um, Some would refer to a follower of Christ who is careful to maintain good works, as it tells us in Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, or one who believes it's important to obey God's commandments as a legalist. But that is, that is a misuse, a misapplication of the, uh, of the idea of uh, legalism. Because keeping God's commandments and doing good works is important for us. We want to recognize that uh, as we go into this study here this morning. Someone has said that our, our good works do not bring us our salvation. They, however, they do bear witness to our salvation, and I think that says it well. But uh, allow me, however, also to, um, to point out that how we keep God's commandments uh, is important for us. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1, I noticed this week as I was reading my way through the book of Proverbs, says, my son, forget not my law. And then he says this, let thine heart keep my commandments. Um, Jesus said in John 14 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Um, And... um, And so it's important that our keeping of God's commandments and doing God's will flows out of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 tells us that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Sometimes we can be guilty of minimalizing the keeping of the divine protocols that we have in the New Testament scriptures, which to me is sort of another form of legalism. Saying it in a different way, uh, by grudgingly obeying God's commandments, is, uh, is a form of legalism. And so, when we when we obey God's commandments out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> um, it uh, it frees us to enjoy uh, doing God's will and God's commandments. Um, so, uh, allow me to just uh, also begin uh, this. Um, Uh, study this morning with uh, a brief review of uh, the first four chapters of Galatians. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, but uh, uh, I I want us to get a sort of a clear picture of where we are and where we're going. In chapter one, Paul confronts the Galatian believers with the fact that what the Judaizers were teaching them was another gospel. Uh, In fact, Paul declares in verse 7 in chapter 1 that this other gospel is a perversion of the gospel of Christ. It's not the true gospel. Um, And so Paul was very firm about this. It, It was a different gospel than was revealed to him by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then Paul in chapter one tells them how the gospel he preached was given to him, not by men, he wasn't taught it by men, but by direct revelation from the Lord Jesus himself. Um, So here in chapter one, you have the historical uh, background of how he received the gospel. Then in chapters two through four, Paul explains very carefully the difference between being justified by faith and being justified through the keeping of the law. Declaring that if we are made right with God by keeping the law, then Christ died in May. And furthermore, by believing that salvation comes through circumcision and keeping the rituals of the law or should I say that by believing that one is made right with God uh, by believing in Jesus as well as by being circumcised and keeping the rituals of the law which is seemingly what the Judaizers were teaching and they were mixing. So they were mixing law and grace. Uh, but. Uh, by, by mixing law and grace, Paul is, as he tells us here in chapter 5 and the second part of verse 1, uh, we are, would be entangling again, ourselves again in, in the yoke of bondage. By the way, um, the, the teaching of the Judaizers has not disappeared. Um, it is still around today. Uh, in fact, I was on the phone last night with one of my nephews, who is a pastor of a Mennonite church in Winesburg, Ohio. And uh, we were talking about how his older brother um, is is caught up, who was a member of their church and left and is presently caught up with a Messianic Jewish uh, group that is teaching almost in a verbatim kind of way uh, what the Judaizers were teaching uh, here in, in the book of Galatians. No, uh, it hasn't disappeared. It's still there. Uh, they, they, uh, yes, they, they believe that Jesus was the... Meshua or the Messiah, Uh, Meshua is sort of the Hebrew uh, name for uh, Messiah. They believe in the Messiah, uh, but they also believe that that, uh, salvation, justification by faith comes by uh, keeping the law. and they're very forceful about their teaching in relation to that. And, uh, and so, it's still around. Uh, and uh, um, they, um, they, they have a group that, uh, that is based in North Carolina and is reaching out into the Ohio community. So, it's still around. Uh, and I believe that uh, it's important not only for our own sake, uh, but uh, for, it's important for us to understand uh, what Paul is saying here in, in the book of Galatians uh, because it's pertinent even in our time today. And it's pertinent that we understand the importance of not mixing law and grace. Well, here in uh, Galatians chapter 5, in the first 12 verses, Paul is further uh, defining the issues that, that he uh, is uh, dealing with in chapters 2 through chapter 4, uh, and uh, I want to look at these 12 verses with you here this morning. Um, And so there there are two distinct uh, sections in verses 1 through 12, and uh, first of all, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 6, and would you stand with me as I read the first six verses of uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are whoever whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision but faith, which worketh by love. You may be seated. Verse seven here is sort of a, a in-between. It's a verse that, that stands between these two sections when he says, uh, you did run well, who did hinder you that uh, you should obey the truth? And introduces the next section but let me deal with the uh, first six verses here of uh, uh, Galatians chapter five. In uh, in these six verses, uh, Paul shares with us, with the Galatian Christians, four implications of believing that our salvation is based on keeping the rituals of the law. And uh, let me just uh, sort of set out those uh, four implications as they're given us to us here in this passage. The first implication, of course, that uh, Paul points out is that Christ and his atoning sacrifice is of no value to you if you believe that the ritual of circumcision is necessary in order to be made right with God. That's verse 2. Paul here is repeating what he had said in chapters 2, verses 18 18 through 21. Let me read that. uh, Chapter 2. Verses 18 through 21. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore, then serveth the law. It is added because of transgression. Wherefore, then serveth the law is added because of transgression, till the seed should come, to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels, in the hand of the mediator. Um, I'm sorry. I'm I'm reading in verse three. It didn't sound right. Uh, just chalk it up to old age and, and turn back to chapter two, and uh, and and verse, uh, uh, and verse, uh, yes. Um, What did I say? Um, Twenty, Yes, 18 through 21. Chapter 2, verse 18 through 21. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law... For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Here, Paul is uh, reinforcing uh, what he's saying here, that uh, if if righteousness is, uh, is given to us, uh, gifted to us uh, through the law, uh, then it is earned, and it's not a gift anymore. And so by that, we frustrate the grace of God. Um, and so... The, to frustrate the grace of God, here does not mean to complicate or hinder the grace of God from being effective, but it means that if we are saved by keeping the law, we cancel out, we void the, uh, the saving grace of God in our lives. And that's serious. In, uh, in chapter 3 and verse 15, the same word, frustrate, is uh, translated "disannul." So uh, if, we, if we trust in the law and the good deeds of the law and the rituals of the law to uh, make us right with God, we disannul the grace of God. So uh, Paul is very succinct about this matter of, Mixing law and grace as it relates to salvation here in verse 2. It's important. We we need the grace of God. Um, It's it's important that uh, we um, experience the grace of God in our lives. Um, and so, because uh, uh, that is what enables us to uh, then live out the, uh, our, the faithful Christian life. It also, uh, uh, we also need the grace of God because in an ongoing kind of way, because we continue to be needy creatures. I don't know how many of you uh, did what Ivan was encouraging us to do last Sunday by, uh, by fasting uh, this week. Uh, I'm not going to ask how many of you fasted this week. But uh, one of the things that I experience when I fast, and uh, I especially begin to experience it if I, if I uh, fast for the second meal of the day, is that I begin to feel how needy a person I am. <laughs> Anybody identify with that? <laughs> you know, um, I'm still a sinner in need of the grace of God. And, uh, and when I fast, that, that becomes very forceful to me. And uh, I, I, would, I would despair uh, if I wouldn't be able to experience the the grace of God in in an ongoing way in my life. Um, It's very important for us to to not frustrate the grace of God as he says it here. Um, And secondly, in order to be made right with God through the works of the law, Paul says in verse 3, you're obligated, you, are, you, you need to keep the whole law. James, in James chapter 2, verse 10, in essence, says the same thing. You see, the, um, the, the moral law of God is so intertwined that if you violate one law, you violate others. Seems to me Jesus uh, reinforced that to the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10
1: when he came to him
0: and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus is in essence, as I interpret that uh, uh, that, uh, uh, um, example or that uh, story, uh, Jesus is saying, well, if you want to do something to inherit eternal life, Try the commandments. <laughs> and, uh, and and the rich young ruler, he, you know, he no doubt pulled on his uh, robe labels a little bit and said, you know, I, 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 I've kept them all. <laughs> and Jesus said, uh, there's one thing lacking yet. Go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Why did he say that? It's because... Uh, this rich young ruler was uh, committing the sin of covetousness, um, and uh, you know that uh, the, Paul says that the sin of covetousness uh, is idolatry, <laughs> and so if you if you commit the sin of covetousness. Um, you also commit the sin of idolatry. If you, the, if you commit the sin of idolatry, you also break the first commandment that says you should worship the Lord God only and him shall you serve. So you see what I mean? The, uh, God's moral law is, is such that if you, if you break one, you are going to be breaking others as well. And so Paul here reinforces the fact that if you, if, you think you're being, if, you, if you think you're keeping the, the law, some aspects of the law, you need to understand you need to keep the whole law, not just several aspects of the law. So in order to be made right with God through the works of the law, Paul says, you're obligated, you need to keep the whole law. And uh, no man has been able to do that. Thirdly, Paul says, you're fallen from grace. As a result of uh, receiving the teachings of the Judaizer that emphasize the need not only to believe in Jesus, but also to keep the law in order to be, in order to be justified, uh, you are fallen from grace. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, look diligent unless you you fail of the grace of God. Um, you, um, and, I, and again, I, I just trust that we understand the, uh, the importance of uh, uh, laying hold and needing the grace of God. The song says, grace, grace, wonderful grace, marvelous grace coming down from the Father above. Yes, we need the grace of God. Um, fourthly, in verse 5, um, Paul says that furthermore, we, we lose our hope of righteousness, the, the, the hope of righteousness that is by faith. Um, and again, to lose our hope of righteousness is to lose our hope of eternal life. In Titus chapter 1 verse 2 and in Titus chapter 3 and verse 7, Paul speaks about the, the hope of eternal life. Um, you know, folks, um, I'm 82 years old. I'm so you ought to know that. Uh, and, uh, if I, if I uh, have it right, there are only four of you that are older than I am. The two Simons and uh, Pete and my dear wife are uh, a little bit older than I am. But you know, being 82 years old, I, as I've uh, indicated before to you, uh, has Caused me to come face to face with my mortality. You know, I I know that in you know the next five to ten years that uh, I'm I'm going to lay off this body, this uh, temporary body that uh, is my house uh, at this time, and. Uh, If I would not have the hope of eternal life, I would be living in fear uh, all the time. But uh, I have the hope of eternal life, the hope of righteousness, uh, the hope that comes from being made right with God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so yes, it's it's very important. This this is a lifeline uh, for me. Um, as uh, as an 82 year old in the latter years of my life. Well then, uh, so we come to. Uh, the second section of this portion in Galatians chapter 5 uh, and beginning at, uh, at verse, uh, verse 8, which you again stand with me as I read this next section. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and uh, beginning at verse 8 uh, through verse 12. Let me begin at verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. You may be seated. this uh, section can be, uh, these several verses here can be approached in several different ways. But I would like to notice here that uh, there seem to be uh, five things here that Paul is pointing out that, uh, about false teachers and what they do and what they propagate. Um, there are five things that are true of, fallen, of false teachers and their doctrines in, in verses eight through 12. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time in, uh, in these five things that Paul teaches. I'm just going to mention them and move through them rather rapidly. But the first thing that Paul points out is that uh, verse, in verse seven is that false teachers work against the truth. They hinder those who listen to them. They hinder them from obeying the truth. And again, uh, believing lies entangles us with the yoke of bondage, but truth sets us free. So false teachers work against the truth. Secondly, in verse uh, 8, false teachers are not of God. So he refers to those um, where this uh, persuasion, where the teaching of the Judaizers come from, it, uh, they're they're not of him. Uh, False teachers are not of God. Um, From the, they are not of God, Uh, God who is the one who calls us to eternal life. So, first of all, false teachers work against the truth. Secondly, false teachers are not of God. Uh, And thirdly, uh, verse 9, false teachers contaminate the church with leaven. Here, leaven is symbolic with sin and false doctrine. And he, he says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It doesn't take much leaven to contaminate the whole lump the whole church. Fourthly, false teachers will will, um, experience the severe judgment of God in verse 10. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you, these are the Judaizers, shall bear his judgment whoever he be. Uh, false teachers will experience the severe judgment of God in their lives. Um, He that troubleth you means the false teachers uh, that create chaos and confusion. And, uh, And fifthly, false teachers persecute, work against those who preach the truth. That's verse 11. And furthermore, they militate against the cross of Christ. They diminish the purpose and the truth of the cross and the meaning of Jesus' propitiatory sacrifice on the cross. You want to notice that Paul uh, does not mince words in relation to those who pervert the gospel message, um, and he goes on to say that he uh, that I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. Let such a one be accursed. He said in chapter one, verse eight and nine, who uh, who brings another gospel, let him be cut off. So Paul is um, is very succinct. He's he's very straightforward about this matter because he sees this as a serious uh, issue. Let me close this morning by again noting that Paul's admonition in in verse one of chapter five is a very pertinent word for us today. And that word is stand fast. Stand fast in the freedom. Uh, Don't be turned aside. Don't allow yourself to be turned aside in any way from the freedom wherewith Christ has set us free. God bless you as you do that, as you stand fast in that freedom. Would you stand with me? Lord, I want to thank you for this uh, brief passage, find here in Galatians chapter 5. And I pray, Lord, that it would challenge us to, to stand fast in the freedom uh, wherewith uh, Christ has set us free. Lord, help us not to be entangled in uh, false teaching, in the perversion of your word, in uh, not being entangled in another gospel that uh, might be proclaimed to us. But help us, Lord, to stand true and faithful in the grace of God. Bless us to that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.